welcome to the Way John Taylor Patriot Report. Today is Tuesday, September 14th, 2021. A lot of things have happened since my last podcast, but I have not forgotten about you. I am still working on the next volume, which is going to be coming out at the uh, beginning of next month. And with that will come some resumption of normal podcasts and a few other things, which I guess you'll just have to wait and see what happens then. Today, um, I have a special guest, and that is my wife, uh, Elizabeth Jane Taylor, and we are going to to talk about uh, everything that has happened in the past year and do something a little bit different. So sit back and relax and, and enjoy the show. And if you like what you hear, you can find us at our website, and that is www.thepamphlet.net. There you can find previous podcasts, as well as access to our digital editions of our monthly publication, The Pamphlet, which is what started it all. So go ahead and head on over there now and check us out. And with that, we're going to go ahead and get right into our first segment. And I'm going to introduce once again my wife, Elizabeth Jane Taylor, who is the reason that this got all started. And with that, why don't you take us back and and explain in your own words how this all came about way back when, which seems like a long time ago now. Yeah, it's been about a year. Um, so when the shutdowns all happened, we stuck at home, and we're a pretty religious family, so we couldn't go to church. Um, after so long, all of a sudden, we could at least start going back to church, but some rules came with that. And with those rules, our family wasn't allowed to go back. And so after probably six months of not being able to be at church, I finally got to the point where I said, why is nobody doing anything? I started looking around. I wanted to do something in my previous life. I was part of Freedom Works, and I did a lot of uh, work with the with Senator Mike Lee out of out of Utah. And when I moved to Washington, that was no longer an option. So I started looking around, trying to figure out something to do. I got a hold of Freedom Works. I tried to get them to let me start a chapter here, but that didn't work out. Try to get a hold of the different parties around the area that we live in, and nobody was doing anything because COVID was shut everything down. So what? What's the main emotion that that you can remember from from back then? A discouragement. Uh, we, I was also a little bit depressed. Um, we were feeling really alone. Um, so I ended up one Sunday after, again, not being able to go to church, and I was bawling. And that's when we decided that something had to be done, and it was, I guess, going to be us because nobody else was doing anything. When we first 
I mean, when we were having that that moment way back when, and and you you knew that we just had to do something because no one else was. Then, did you did you ever imagine that that this would happen? Well, no, because I'm not a writer, so that wasn't even something that was in my mind at the time. Um, I just figured I'd go back to my past activism life and try to get people to protest on the side of the road. I, I know this was not anything that we even dreamed what would happen. What's your biggest surprise looking looking back on? Oh, there's probably plenty of them, but what is your your biggest surprise? I guess looking looking back on how it all evolved. I would say, I guess the biggest surprise is that we're still going. That this is a a movement that hasn't stopped or slowed down. Um, we have friends that have told us that. They didn't think that it was gonna that it was gonna go this long. So, I guess that's the biggest surprise is just how our supporters are, encourage us to keep going. I, I think for me, the biggest surprise has been some people have come and volunteered time for oh I don't know a week, a month, or several months. Some people have volunteered money for her a, a week, a month, several months. Uh, sometimes one time donations. And, and the biggest surprise to me is like when a printer blows up, there was someone there to here, go buy a used copy machine. You know, there's there's been individuals there that's really stepped up when when we certainly didn't have any means. I mean, we're on a, a fixed income and 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 you struggle to to, to make ends meet sometimes. But it, it's the outpouring of support from strangers has been pretty, I guess, my biggest surprise. So looking back, you, you've, you've seen where the pamphlet has been going. Now looking forward and, forward and how much the world has changed in that short year, where do you, where do you see the, the pamphlet taking off this year? Well, every month it's actually a surprise, so that's hard to answer. Um, we have our plans, but I have found out fairly recently in life that my plans don't always go the way that I want them to. So where do I see it going? I don't actually have any idea. Um, it's all what God wants it to happen. And well, I don't get privy to those, to those promptings. Promptings, yeah. <laughs> And so now for the last last question about uh, the, the pamphlet specifically, and, and I, I guess I, I'd like to, to ask, um, how do you balance um, being a, a mother of three small children and two older children and um, farm life and uh, all the animals we have and, and all the different things uh, and also be the owner of a company and, and run a company and, and try and, and keep me on track for that, for that matter. How do you just manage to, to get it all done? I don't feel like I get it done ever, ever. 
it's always a struggle. Um, we are just regular people. And sometimes my house is a disaster. Sometimes I am in the middle between two kids fighting. Um, I just take it minute by minute, day by day, um, decide what's most important. And a lot of pushing to make Wade do some work. Um, I don't have any perfect plan to help anybody understand how to do all everything they got to do. So would you say that, that those that are waiting for that perfect plan to, to do something are probably missing the opportunity to get up and actually do something? Well, yeah. Um, just like if you're holding off having kids until you're ready, until you've gone through college, until you have that good career. If you're putting something off, you're missing every opportunity that may come. Um, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We, at least everybody that we talk to, know that there are some hard times coming. And if you decide to sit back and just wait until it's your turn, then you're not out there helping. You're not out there doing. Uh, it's important and it's our it's our duty as citizens to get up and do something. You know that brings up an inter interesting question. You know, it's like uh, um, homesteading or, or trying to to be self sufficient. Before we we got involved in this, that was our primary focus was trying to be as as self sufficient as we can as a family. And and a lot of the people that we talk to and still talk to say, "Oh, I've always wanted to do that." And they offer the same type of excuses. Well, I'm waiting for this or I'm waiting for that or, you know, it's just not the right time or I don't have the right property and, and I don't do this. And and really, it's it's the same type of mentality that the key is just to, to, to start doing it. And once you start doing it, then you realize the mistakes that you make and you fix those mistakes and you do it again and again and again. It's that persistence and you evolve into your own brand of homesteader. And, and that's what works for you. And all the YouTube videos in the world isn't going to tell you how to take care of a chicken on your property in your climate with your conditions. They'll give you hints and certainly help you. But nobody is, is the, the guru on, on your land, and you have to learn that land. And if you don't start, you know, the worst time, I think, to start is when, well, you're depending on that land like right now to produce food for your family for the rest of the year. And that'd be a terrible time to start. All right. Well, that's it for our first segment. We're going to go ahead and head into our break. And after that, we will talk about our homesteading life and how we got into it. Be right back after these messages. <laughs> Welcome back. Thanks for staying tuned. Again, if this is your first time listening and you'd like to know more, you can find out more by heading over to our website, www.thepamphlet.net. 
and there you can find our previous podcasts as well as our main publication that comes out every month in its digital format and other blogs and materials. And with that, let's get right into it. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about our homestead, and I figured we would cover a segment on that since it is such a large part of our life. And I think we can just dive right into it from there. So since, um, why don't you give a little bit of background as far as what kind of background you came from before we decided to, to get all crazy and dirty in homestead life? I was a city girl. I spent my life um, in Salt Lake City, Utah area. Um, every Saturday shopping, uh, going to work during the week, um, going to the salon, getting my nails done. That was my life. I, when I moved to Washington, things kind of slowed down. And then when we decided to move to our homestead, um, it took a little bit of getting used to not being able to do all the stuff that I was used to doing my whole life. So how many pairs of heels do you still own? I don't even know anymore because <laughs> I haven't worn them for about five years. I would say maybe three. Did did you um did you expect it was gonna be quite like this? What homesteading? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, because well, my family had horses and cows and chickens, but it was still in the middle of the city, so so it, you really just have no clue what it's really like to live on a little farm. Um, in the city, you'll just go to your barn and you grab your horses and you go out and ride them and you put them away and, you know, once a week you clean it out and you're all done. But when you're actually living on a farm, a little homestead, you're actually raising your own food. You're, you're having to do the butchering yourself. Um, you don't have somebody to to wash or to brush your horses. <laughs> You're doing it all yourself, and it's a it's a lot more hard work than than somebody from the city would ever imagine it would be. So here's the other question, I guess. Then is it worth it? It depends on the day. <laughs> Most of the time, going to bed at night, I tell Wade that I would just rather be lazy. I'd rather put my head in the sand and just watch Netflix all the time. Yeah, I, I know for for myself personally, I, I kind of want to go back to those days when, when I was oblivious to to everything. And um, it, it's kind of hard now. It's kind of like Pandora's box. Once you open it and start to see what's inside, you can't forget the things you've seen. Um, so, so looking back on everything that we've done, how we got started, where we're at now, 
what would you recommend for people who hadn't done it and want to want to want to do it? Well, first off, you just got to start. Um, we spent a good year watching YouTube videos on how to homestead. And that doesn't give you any idea of how it's actually going to turn out. So learning everything before you start isn't going to do anything for you. Um, we started out by getting some chickens. And every year we slowly add, you know, we add a new animal. We add something new every, every year. And I think that worked for us, so I would always tell people to do that. Um, but things are going to be different for everybody. So what was, what have been some of the biggest disappointments or challenges, I guess? Oh, gosh. I know there's a lot. The biggest challenge for me is I feel alone a lot because we're out in the middle of nowhere. Um, that's the biggest challenge for me. Um, the work is hard. Sure, work is challenging, but um, I really don't mind it that much. For me, the challenge has been, like, we've had two years now that we've essentially pretty much lost everything. This year, due to, to drought and and the invasion of, of grasshoppers, which absolutely obliterated everything. And I, I guess what was surprising to me is it's, it wasn't the end of the world because, well, we, we had prepared. But I... I could also understand where in in the future those years where we have bad years and don't produce are going to be a lot more scary for our family because if we had two back-to-back -back years like that, I mean, that would, would be pretty much catastrophic for us, especially if there wasn't stores. So there's things like that that have happened. Um, we've had bad winters where um, we had a, a lot of animals that didn't make it, and that was really tragic. And and those sort of things, um, the adjustments on the farm, but the the loneliness doesn't doesn't seem to bother me as much. But it, it does bother me that it bothers you, and and that's hard. But yet when we when we go to meetings and like we just went to to a meeting uh, last night, and there was a good oh, hundred people. I I'd say there. From, from all walks of life, concerned about the same things that, that you and I are concerned about. And and when you see them, you, you suddenly realize that, that you're not al alone. But then when you go back to your life and, and your life consists of, you know, kids and, and pigs and chickens and uh, firewood and, and the daily grind of, of a homestead, within a few days, uh, you quickly realize that, that you feel alone again. Whereas in a business world, or I guess in a city world, even that, I mean, how many people do you on average interact with on a given day? Well, every day. Because right. Because you go to work. Right. And that involves uh, probably a drive through person, a, a gas station person, and, uh, you know, just on a given day, all the different errands that a person makes. Uh, our shopping was a little bit different 
um, back then. Back then, you could shop once a week and, and have a grocery store really close by. Um, how often would you say we actually shop now for, for groceries? Actual grocery shopping? Yeah. Maybe once a month, but while we're in town doing pamphlet work, we get some things sometimes. Um, but our main shopping is once a month. So when did it finally hit you how self-sufficient we had, had become? Um, how long ago? I don't remember. It's probably been six months now. But we would drive the hour and a half to the grocery store. And then we walk around the store and say, we don't need this. We don't need this. We don't need this. And when you drive that far to go grocery shopping and you don't leave with anything, that's when you realize that, you know, we're in a good spot. How long do you think it took us to get there? Well, we moved in into our homestead um, well, four years ago. So it took us Three and a half years to get to where we are now. And with that, um, before we close out this segment, do you have any parting advice to to anyone who's interested in getting into to a, a homestead or self sufficiency or trying to to provide for themselves? Okay. Hold on, have fun, and you'll do it. Just keep going, keep trying. And you're going to get dirty. So figure out a way to clean your fingernails. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing that I noticed. Uh, the biggest difference is when I met you is is you had these these perfect manicured, uh, I don't know, glue-on nails, whatever, that you had a professional person do. And and they looked good, and, and you had them well-maintained. Um, but those aren't very practical out here, so... That's one of the things I notice. All right, and with that, we're going to go to our last break, and we'll be right back. segment of the Wade John Taylor Patriot Report. You're listening to Wade and Elizabeth Taylor. And in the first segment, we talked about uh, the pamphlet and how it started and what's in store a little bit. And in the second segment, we talked about our homestead and, again, how it how it got started and, and our recommendation for those who are, are looking to do it. Now, in this uh, final segment, we'd, we'd like to turn our, our attention to, to current events and and life going forward but uh, before we do that just a quick reminder for those who want to find out more about us you can head over to www.thepamphlet.net and find our previous podcast as well as our monthly subscription um, and monthly free editions of our monthly publication about liberty and freedom and with that, let's get back into it. All right, so Elizabeth, um, having, I guess, grown up 
um, with a forward-thinking view, uh, being a, a Christian and understanding that that challenging times were ahead and and that things were going to get well, pretty pretty terrible in a in a tribulation sort of way. What is uh, what's probably most surprising to you in in where we find ourselves now? Well, I really didn't think being a religious Christian person that we would be faced with the trials that we're being faced. Um, I don't know how many other people out there think the way that I did, but I just always thought that if we did what we were supposed to do, that we would be protected from those trials the tyranny that's happening in the world um so kind of i i I guess what what i'm what i'm hearing you say is that the the biggest shock is that just doing everything that you thought you were supposed to doesn't doesn't give you the the ticket to to avoid all the discomfort no no Actually, I feel like we it's a little bit harder uh, when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. I feel like there's more coming at us. Um, more hardships are thrown at us. More people are attacking us for what we do. More people are pushing us away. Um, people that we thought were friends, people that we thought we could we could trust or that would have our backs have disappeared are you surprised at the level of of apathy from from those who stood up year after year and 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 shouted liberty and freedom on july 4th but now when when you're looking for them they're they're nowhere to be seen oh my gosh (laughs) really I, i mean yay once a year, we can we can all be Americans. <laughs> you know, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We just passed the the twentieth anniversary of of nine eleven, which which brings back the memories of what it was like. Um, just a couple of weeks after nine eleven, the the mood of the country. How, how everything was liberty, freedom, USA, USA, and, and everybody was one. And, and contrast that to, to 20 years later when, when anyone who talks about liberty is an enemy of the state and, and how far we've, we've come in that short period of time. Um, did, did you, I mean, looking back, back then, wh- where did you see the country heading in 20 years? Certainly, certainly not here. No, of course not. Um, when 9-11 happened, that's really when I started getting involved with activism. Um, was about that same time frame. And I mean, for me and my children, we, we were starting, we were patriots then. And who would have thought that us as citizens would have allowed all of this separation, who who would allow the country to deteriorate 
as far as it has. It would have never even crossed my mind that it would have happened. Looking back now on on the, oh, I don't even know if it was Facebook back then. It was probably like MySpace or something. But looking back then on, on your circle of, of people, family, friends, and, and the comments that that they were saying to you, whether it be in person on, on Messenger or whatever, and then, then those same people now contrasting that, uh, are you surprised? You know, I if I'm going to look back to the way it was back then, I still didn't have many people around me that were fighting like I was. So... I don't think that many people were standing up at back then. Like, they're not standing up now. So you think they were kind of wearing their, their liberty and freedom like a fashion fad because it was a fashionable thing to do? Well, like you said, the once a year, 4th of July. Um, there was weekend after weekend that me and my kids would go out and we would work with freedom works. Um, but none of my family or friends was going out with me. Um, I would drag them along once, maybe twice. There was free food. They would show up. Um, but no, nobody, I didn't know anybody that was working as hard as I was on trying to, to keep our country together. Okay, so looking back on the the mood of the people, say the mood of the people last night versus say a, a year ago, what what do you think has changed in in the general populace that the, the people that we're meeting? Um, there's a few things. I mean, people are mad now. People are feeling oppressed um but a year ago we were in the middle of lockdowns um so at that people are lonely people are depressed um i think there are plenty of people out there that we meet that are ready to stand up and do something but a lot of people don't know what to do and it's it's a fine line to walk. So let's let's stop there. I mean, what that that's a good question. A lot of people know want to know what to do. So what's your what's your recommendation if someone came up to you and say, "What do I do?" It's hard to tell anybody what they should do because we didn't know what to do. I tried the avenues that I knew what to do because of my activist life before. Those didn't work out. And those are the things that you think would work out. Um, so all we did was listen to listen to the promptings we got from from Christ that said, "Do this." Um, and we took the baby steps. We did what we were told. So I guess that's all I can tell you to do is to open your heart. Open your mind and allow the Spirit to tell you what to do. Um, in the meantime, 
you know, there's people out there that, like us, we're writing. There's people out there that's going to their meetings with their city councils, their school boards. You could start there. I um, You could go to a, a protest on the side of the road. You could start there. I, there is a fine line between trying to do the right thing and taking it too far. So be careful what you do. Don't go too far. Um, be safe. All right, so that brings into mind how we got started. And, and really, we didn't know what to do. But we knew a few people in the area that were like-minded individuals, and we called a meeting, and we just started talking. And we ran some ideas past them, and that gave us enough consensus to refine those ideas and, and start moving forward on something. So even if you don't know what to do, just finding those like-minded people and reaching out and say, you know, I, I got a feeling that things aren't, aren't going that well and, and maybe we could do something about it. You know, maybe we could show up to, to public meetings and, and do our part there. Maybe we could protest. Maybe we could do this and that. But it starts by getting together with people and recognize, I don't know what to do. What about you? I don't know what to do. And eventually, you know, after talking, you, you figure out what what can be done. And and especially if you involve the Lord. I mean, we we started our meetings with prayers and we made sure that, that was it was focused and, and and it was productive. And we come up with a lot of solutions that we didn't didn't think was gonna happen. So um I think it's been a pretty fantastic journey. I'm not quite sure where we're going, but I don't think I've ever known where we're going from the beginning. So this is your first time on podcast, and is there anything that you would like to say to to those out there who have who've been along for the journey, and have been following us on the uh, the podcast and and supporting us along the way? No, well, thank you for first and foremost, um, the support is what keeps us going. Um, you know, we do this all for free. Um, so knowing that there are people out there that appreciate what we do, that's why we keep doing it. Um, if there were nobody out there that was wanting what we can give them, then we'd be wasting our breath. I absolutely agree with that. And with that, I'd like to thank you for joining us here on the podcast. I know a lot of people have been anxious to hear your voice, and um, I certainly appreciate everything you do. Nothing would have ever happened if it weren't for you, and I want to make sure that everybody gets to blame it all on you. Um, you're the reason that we're a bunch of rabble-rousers in the county. <laughs> and with that, thank you very much, folks, for, for supporting us, and uh, we're looking forward to the Volume 2 as it's coming out, and uh, a whole new year. Of, of more pamphlets, more history, more, uh, more freedom from the highlands. So thank you. We love you, and God bless you, and God bless those who stand for liberty and freedom.